Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I am here in my place in Colorado. I'm joined by my friend and optics manager of GoHunt.com, Cody Nelson. How you doing? Jay, how are you, sir? Good to be here. Good. I'm glad you were able to make it up over the pass and get to see some of our rivers and some of the mountains. What do you think yeah. of this place? Yeah, just try to get rid of me now. <laughs> just try to get when rid of me. When you leave here next month? Yeah, uh, like in I, I'm, not sure my, I'm not sure my wife is going to like that proposition, and Gene may kill me, but uh, yeah, no, you're going to have a hard time getting me out of here. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place for sure. Uh, we're sitting here uh, overlooking uh, the, the lake that uh, we live on here and uh, can kind of hear the Roaring Fork River in the background. And today we're going to get to talk uh, optics with Mr. Cody Nelson, my friend of Shoot, you just told me that we... It's like 90. 98? No, well, I mean, that was our first hunt. Yeah, so, I mean, 96. So, it was back 20 in 20 plus years. It was back in the wildlife images taxidermy. Yeah, so in uh, college, for those of you that don't know, <laughs> I was finishing up my hours at ASU, and um, I worked part-time uh, at wildlife images taxidermy shop in the Scottsdale Air Park yep. for Craig Pearson, uh, and... I learned a lot working for Craig. I learned how to flesh animals. I learned how to build bases. And yep. most of, of what I learned on how to cape and how to do different things came from working at that taxidermy shop. And that's, you reminded me, that's where we met. Yeah. And uh, it's been a long time. Uh, for the listeners out there, the last episodes, we did a couple episodes on episode 562 and 564. Uh, we did an uh, episode with Jared Bernstein, and we did an episode with Cortland, who is the Zeiss account manager, and Jared is with um, Vortex Optics. And so, Cody, this is going to be uh, the episode following those, and I put out on my Instagram page uh, questions sure. on glassing technique, optics, yep rifle scopes, tripods, binoculars, anything to do with glassing. And we always get a bunch of questions in from the listeners, um, which I think is paramount for what we're trying to do as far as educate the consumer. Well, there's two things that come to mind. A, the the podcast that we did with Jared and Cortland for the Zeiss and the the, um, uh, Vortex products, you know, it's when you start getting specific to brand and, you know, there was so many questions and so many inquiries that came into the shop that way that that was, it was really responsive and fun. And, uh, and, and we've know, it, got more manufacturers coming. Yeah, Those the, are just happen yeah, to be the two that we could line up the schedule. We, we, yeah, it's not everything lined up the way we wanted it. So I don't want to make sure that you know, everybody knows that they're, they're going to have their, we're going to have a chance to interview everybody, but, um, the response was great. And, uh, you know, it's it's humbling in that respect that you know we we keep coming up with new ideas and things to talk about and and you know we kind of take for granted that we you know we think about this and talk about this stuff all day long and and uh, the, it, it, you know the opportunity with the questions and answers that follow up um, that's you know that's the part two of this is that it it is it's kind of humbling that you know. Um, things that we think about or maybe don't think about because we've done it so much. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody's really wanting to ask a basic question. And you kind of think, you know what, sometimes you got to stop and, and listen and think and help. And, you know, because at some point 
either a you got to figure it out or like i did and i know you did um you know going back to the the wildlife images you know sometimes you got to ask yeah yeah and you've got to ask and you've got to ask with confidence knowing that anytime you're either whether new in the sport i mean but we get super you know expert you know advanced questions as well so i mean we get all kinds of questions the the value in it is that everybody's at a different place in their knowledge base whether it's you know you learning to try and fly fish or or you know me trying to learn how to skydive it doesn't matter everybody has a different point of reference of where they're at with with their knowledge base correct so we want to be a place that people feel free to ask any question there really well, are no dumb questions yeah the the first question the the you know when people say they're dumb questions the only dumb question is when you're asking yourself should i ask these guys or not right. please ask right because you do you get the simplest questions all the way to breaking somebody's ballistics down to help them better with what they're doing you know with a scope or whatever and, and some of that stuff it can be difficult when you're on the phone with somebody, but once you work through it with them once and they call you back and they say, Hey, I, fi- you know, I got this, I figured it out. And you're, and you know, they're off to the races. Then and they it, send you a picture of a, absolutely a all the time or something that yeah. they shot. And one of the things I wanted to point out, um, for the listeners out there, you know, Cody on a daily basis, I mean, you spend basically eight to five every single day on the phone talking to customers that's your job you're answering emails from customers and you're answering the phone i i would put it as my my single most important you know uh job that i do is is talk to people and inform them and help them with uh whatever decision it is that they're making for whatever hunt whether it's you know uh of antelope hunt or a mule deer hunt or somebody's going to africa it doesn't matter um you you got to help them figure out what's best for them and what's going to work out and and i'm you know i i just i pride myself on trying to get back to people and you know uh the the phone rings a lot and uh you know i i think it's interesting that people have a response to me sometimes because i'll get an email or a text or anything and i call them back or and they're like man i i'm so used to waiting or you know i i thought i was gonna have to wait for you know and and they're just and and i just want to get people helped out as soon as possible because i know it's important people are trying to get their hunts ready so yeah so we're i'm accessible yeah you know i think one of the things that you probably fight with a little bit in your own head is a lot of times there's multiple answers to people's questions as far as what product might be best for them. Right. So part of your job is to give them their options, walk them through through the options, and then let them ultimately choose. Well, I've, I've always said this. I um, People say, oh, you sell optics. Well, technically, yes. But I don't. I think the thing that makes us unique in what we do is, is that we, we, we're trying to understand what people need give them the options and basically educate and then allow that person to make a decision on, on, on what works best for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I, I, to see, I mean, I do, I sell optics, but at the same time, I think I, I, I hope that I'm educating people so that they learn it and they understand it and they're making, you know, better decisions based on their needs, not, 
you know, we get that. I know you do. I know you get it a lot. People say, well, Cody, what do you use or what's your opinion or, you know, well, okay, so my opinion may be based on what I'm doing on a particular hunt, not what you're doing on a completely different hunt. Right. So, yeah. you know. I, I think trying to help people whittle down and try and figure out, you know, a couple of the best options and then let them decide what works best for them is always well, good. People's experience levels, like I had a guy the other day on the phone, it was just so, it was almost... It was really refreshing to talk to because one, it gave me that, that, that notion that first of all, there's a lot of new people coming to our sport. And I always see those opportunities as times to welcome that person and, and make that buying experience and educational experience, you know, really welcoming to that person to where they're like, man, is everybody in hunting like this? I mean, this is fantastic. And I hope they get that experience out of it because you, and sometimes you end up spending a little more time with that person just to make sure that they fully understand, you know, the highs and the lows and the compromises and everything that goes into choosing optics or rifle scopes or, uh, and sometimes it's just gear. Um, you know, it can be for backpacks and other stuff too, but, uh, you know, the point being is, is that, that they understand, you know, at the end of the day that we really tried to lay out, okay, Here's what you're saying you're you're going on the hunt you're on, and, and here's your options that we think will work out best for you, and and you know we try to mold it to their you know their financial situation or whatever you know some people you know want to go the full gamut and buy everything at once, and some people want to piece it together, and we you know we'll, we'll do anything to help you out. Awesome. Well, we've got a bunch of questions here from the listeners, and I encourage you guys. Um, if you didn't get, if your questions didn't get into this round, uh, you can always send an email to optics at gohunt.com. That's where you can reach Cody directly. You can also direct message me Jace, at jscottoutdoors on Instagram. You can also send me an email, uh, jscottoutdoors at gmail.com, and we will get your questions answered. We're going to, we've been trying to do these about once every month and, um, Probably as we move into the fall season, we're going to do yeah. more of that. So, gee, I noticed how we were going to we were trying to do one after Mexico turkey season, and I, <laughs> I had to kind of explain to you that there was a little piece of dirt in between Colorado and Mexico. Called I don't even Arizona. know that I shut my truck off. Yeah, between, no, I, I think Mexico you, and Colorado. I got up here at uh, flew right through here in the dark of night and yeah. and uh, and got to Colorado as quickly as I. And now I know why. Yeah, now you know why. Uh, well, let's just dive into it here. We've got sure. a list of questions. Uh, we'll start out with uh, best range finder under $300. Um, God, you know, I hate to use the word best, but, you know, the, a, range, a great range finder for the 1300 uh, or for the 300 is going to be the um, uh, uh, Leupold uh, uh, 1300 TBR. Um, great little piece of gear. Um it uh, it's going to do your angle inclination. Um, it's a pretty lightweight piece. It's it, it's in some terms it's a it's six power and it's a, it's a little bit thinner and a little bit uh, not not so big as some of the other units. So I tell you for for three hundred bucks that's I think that's a great unit to have. Guys, I want to point out here too before we get um, hitting all these other questions. 
you can reach Cody directly at 702-847-8747, extension 2. He still hasn't worked his way up to number one, but he's <laughs> getting closer by the day. And uh, I think it's important to just uh, reach out and give him a call. Like I said, also on email, optics uh, at gohunt.com. I also want to remind you that the Go Hunt gear shop, uh, Cody does obviously a lot of sales um, over the phone. He talks to a lot of customers. But if there's some products, uh, I encourage you to go out and visit the Go Hunt gear shop. And a lot of these products that Cody's going to talk about, it's as simple as just go on there and order it. Um, you know, if you want to talk to Cody, great. If you just want to get the product, gohunt.com gear shop's a great place to yep. do that. Yeah, either way, I'll, I'll, if they want to talk packs, or I mean, I can do that too. So yeah. so you can go over um, all of the can, stuff in the gear shop. I can help them with any of it. Okay. Uh, here's a question, not necessarily optics related, but uh, uh, would enjoy hearing your wife uh, <laughs> your, sometime on a podcast, is it in the cards? Um, we'll see if we can get Mrs. Scott on the podcast, and uh, I'll, I'll run that up the flagpole. I'm thinking that's going to be a hard pass. <laughs> Got another one here. Just wanted to say I ordered the Kuyu Bino Harness. Wow, you are correct. Uh, yes, I like the Kuyu Bino Harness. Um, next question. Southern Colorado September elk hunt. What optics are you carrying, Cody? Wow. Um, well, you know, looking out the door, uh, I can pretty much tell you that, you know, I would probably run – and so much of this depends on exactly where you're going to be and what season it is. Um, I normally run eights on my chest. I think you can get away with tens. Um, you know, some people, if you're hunting in more open areas, you may want to lean to the ten. If you're hunting in more dense, you know, po uh, you know, heavily wooded places, I would urge you to to really look at the uh, the eight powers. Why is um, that important? I, I love the field of view. It's it's all about field of view at that time. The glass is so good, so bright. You know, you got now on most of those pieces of glass, an eight by forty-two. You're going to have a six millimeter exit pupil, which means it's a you know really bright and almost too much light for your eye. Uh, super wide field of view, easy to handhold, and uh, you know it it, it it just for that really thick stuff. I I just prefer the field of view. Yeah, and just to be clear to the listeners out there, um, you know, maybe someone that's at a more of a beginner level, a 10-power pair of binoculars is going to have a smaller field of view than an 8 or a 7-power. The lower power you go... Well, 10s are going to be at like... Typically, 10s are going to be about 330-foot field of view, on, you know, about average. And then most 8s, you're going to have a 400-foot field of view. So, you know... At, it, that makes a pretty big difference when you're when you're looking at something, you know, whether it's a hundred yards or two hundred yards, or um, it it it's it's the difference sometimes when you have multiple bulls coming in. Right. It, I mean, it literally is a difference of going. Okay, I've got two bulls in my my screen here, and if I had a ten, you know, I may only be seen at one, and I got to flip back and forth. And sometimes I just know that you have to have your eyes kind of on. You know, like be able to swivel around and look because you don't know where those bulls are coming from. And if they're doing their job right and you're doing yours right, your nose is into the wind and they're trying to get a bite on the wind. So you, you, you just don't know what direction they're, they're not always going to come straight to you. 
Yeah, and the other thing I would point out too that you know this is talking about Southern Colorado September elk hunt, so I, you know I assume they're talking about the archery hunt, possibly the muzzleloader hunt in in mid September, uh, but this could be in any you know Montana, Utah, New Mexico, any of these states. One thing I will add though, optics you carry, we're mainly talking about around your neck, you know something that you're carrying, but. A lot of guys that are going to hunt in Colorado are also going to be somewhat near right. timberline. And so then you have to weigh the decision of whether to bring a tripod yep. and whether to bring a spotting scope to look across the drainage. I would encourage anybody out there that is hunting Colorado for elk, you know, a lot of times those elk are going to be pretty dang high. A lot of times those elk are going to be out in the above timberline, which is yep. around 11,000 feet. And so you can possibly hike pretty high glass across a basin where you're going to need a spotting scope. A lot of times your 10 or your eight power binoculars sure. are fine to just see them over there. Yep. Then you're going to want to go with the spotting scope. Um, you know, I think whether you carry a 65, an 85, a 95, you know, I think whatever that, power yeah, range exactly. you carry comes down to weight. Right. But I would at least encourage, you know, a, uh, 60 or you know 65 millimeter sure. uh, objective yeah i i think that um you know when you get to that point you know the tripod becomes really important because then you start talking well do i go from a 10 to a 15 or a 10 to a 12 or 8 to 12 or you know i mean and i think i don't know i thought i saw jay where you had another question maybe that there was a uh another question on 10s and 12s and and we'll, we'll get to that but the, the point I'm making is is that I think sometimes guys if they they could save some weight if they went with like a small spotting scope or they went with you know in, in a set of tens because sometimes I mean I, I don't care I'll say it I mean I don't want to offend any of the true and you know diehard elk hunters out there but elk are not always exactly the most difficult animal to find right. they're just not yeah. so with that being said when a guy mounts up and eight or a 10 and, ha and backs it up with a spotting scope. Pretty deadly. That's pretty deadly combination. And it's been done before a lot and it works. Yeah. So I don't know. So uh, just, you know, some thoughts. When is the optimal, excuse me, when is the optimal time month, he says, to start glassing for coos deer for October hunts? Yesterday. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the reality is throughout the summer, um, you know, in July, you can start to get a pretty good sense of what those bucks are. Um, and, you know, towards the end of July, obviously into, into early August, you really start getting a feel for what bucks you're looking for. I would tell you, you know, if, if this October coos deer hunt, you have a, you know, we're, our deadline is july 11th so it's or excuse me june 11th and it's not even we haven't even put in for deer right but right now is the time if you don't know those units you're hunting in october if you have a feeling that hey you yep. put it in as a first choice and you have a pretty good chance to draw it right now is the time to be learning the unit correct and then yes glassing for deer trying to say oh well that's a buck i can't tell how big it is but it's just starting to grow or you know i'm in a doe factory where there's just does and fawns everywhere that's good to be able to sure. figure out in your unit um but as far as trying to pick bucks out for your october hunt i mean i would say in july and early august yep those bucks are usually in big bachelor herds they're usually out feeding a lot longer and you can start to pattern those deer right I've done a lot of podcasts. I just did one with Eric Forrest. He talks about a buck that they watched 
all summer long and they watched him during the October season. They watched him during the first November and they killed him in the third November yeah. right in a spot where he always was. And that's the thing about coos deer. I guess it's a long-winded answer to say, and then I'll, I'll ask your, your opinion. It's a long-winded answer to say coos deer bucks are very habitual. And yep. now is the time from now until the, the, the hunt starts is the time to find those bucks. And when they're in the velvet and they're really growing, it's one of the best times. And then they kind of get kind of hard to find in September. They can be a little, they can be a little nocturnal and tough to find. It, well, and especially when they start when they start to strip. Yeah. So my thing is, is that I, you know, I like the, you know, the whole summer aspect of things. But, um, you know, not everybody can scout every single weekend, and if they're doing that. Um, I like to get out the week before the weekend. You know, if if I re- if I can really get out the weekend before and kind of nail some things down, that's just confirming what I kind of spent that time in in August and September. Um, but it, if you can find them and you're on them and you keep seeing them, unless they get completely boogered, they're they're gonna be right where you see them. Yeah, and I would say in July and August, if you have, if you've got a glassing knob and you see the same buck, you know you don't necessarily have to see him every time you're out. Right. But if you see him multiple times over the summer within a hundred or two hundred yards, yep. that's pretty much you can throw a hula hoop, a three <laughs> three hundred yard hula hoop around that deer, and yeah. that's his home. True. So staying on him all of September is not as important as if you can really glass him hard when they're out in the open. And when they're in velvet, that they have an amazing ability. They stay out quite a while, and they're feeding because they're growing their antlers. Yeah, they're improving their body condition. You then you don't have to do as much work well, right up before the exactly. Hunt. You just got to think about what they're trying to do, and they're trying to they're trying to add weight. They're trying to grow horns, and you know they're uh, they need water. They need shade, and water's obviously been debatable. But if they have it, they're going to use it. So I think if you find all those you know, certain things and you're, you're finding them, they're going to be right there. Next question, 270 Winchester model 700. What type of scope would you recommend for coups? Um, wow. Uh, I think a, a couple things, uh, 270 has been around for years. Um, I mean forever. Uh, I, it's an incredibly capable round. Um, I think what really needs to be asked in the question that I would ask that person is, is that what is he trying to do yardage wise? Um, is he a, you know, three to 400 yard guy that wants to be able to shoot 600 yards or is he a, is he trying to do a thousand yards or, you know, what's he trying to do? Um, so based on, you know, if I'm just assuming that he's trying to extend his yardage, you know, to a, you know, like say six or 700 yards, um, you know, I would look real seriously at like uh, loophole three to fifteen, um, you know VX five. Uh, I would look real hard at the uh, the V four from Zeiss. Um, I would look real hard at the Sarovsky Z five three and a half to eighteen forty four. Um, there's several of those, uh, you know, out there. Vortex, you know, four to sixteen by forty four. So there's a lot of different scopes 
out there that'll fit that bill. And a lot of it depends on what he wants to spend. Too. Yeah, and, and it, it may be, you know, is he trying to keep the, you know, I mean, you can take that same rifle and you can make it a, a longer range gun if you wanted to with, with other optics. But I think it really comes down to what is that guy, what is he trying to do with that gun? And how far is he ultimately trying to shoot? Yeah. So. Um, any strategies for glassing in terrain that switches from thick to open? I, I would say one thing is I obviously like to get high and get across. Mm -hmm. So I want to be looking across at a canyon. I want to be able to look where usually up high it's thick. And then it drops into open, but I've also seen it where it's thick in the bottom, yep. so kind of up on the ridge tops. It, it does get open. I think the main thing is you, from my perspective, a couple of things that jump out is you want to be panning the open areas fairly quickly yep. and then slowing down in the thick pockets, especially in that transition period. That's, you know, where it goes from open to thick. You have to and, eliminate the easy stuff first. Right. And, and be constantly glassing slow into the thick, but every once in a while, just pan right. the top, pan the open, back into the thick, working your eyes in the thick, then back to the open exactly. just to check it. Yeah, I think, guys, they, uh, they, they really just need to, to be, they need to check the, the, the open spaces. They need to, you know, and once they've assured themselves that everything's covered that way, then, you, you know, whatever your grid pattern is for that particular piece of country, but you have to, you know, I sometimes come out of my binoculars so that I can swing and, and go right to a, an open spot and check it real quick because there's been a number of times that, uh, you know, that, you know, you keep going back and forth between thick and whatnot and all of a sudden, you know, a buck steps out that wasn't there. Right. So, um, but I think with the thick stuff, uh, my number one thing that I would tell people is you've got to slow down yeah. you've got to give that buck an opportunity or your eye either the buck an opportunity to move or, or flick your, an ear or, or flick an ear or your eye the opportunity to catch a shape or something that doesn't fit with the terrain yeah and i think we you know we talk about thick you've heard on the podcast me talk about glassing into the shade especially in the afternoons find those shady pockets more animals are going to be on the shady side 90 some percent of the time they're going to be on the shady side no matter where that is find those shady pockets especially in the afternoon uh, a lot of times in the morning they'll be feeding the open and they'll work their way into the thick uh, so it's good to pan those open especially talking about coos deer uh, but any deer you know mule deer elk uh, any animal uh, you know definitely find those shady pockets all right uh, what this isn't an optics question, but what different tactics do you use when hunting spring turkey from the fall? Uh, that's a question. Okay, I don't hunt fall turkey at all, uh, so I don't have a lot of experience hunting fall turkey. I know that when you do hunt fall turkey, you can use uh, lots of hen calling and lots of kiki run, which is a young uh, poult calling to her mom, or excuse me, a, a hen calling to a poult. Uh, you get a lot of the high-pitched sounds, but I'm not an expert in fall turkey hunting, uh, and so I can't really answer that. Uh, unit 10 optics of choice, binos <laughs> and spotting scope. Uh, I'm assuming they're saying unit 10 optics of choice. I don't know. They didn't say whether they're talking mule deer, antelope, or elk, but let's just talk elk uh, 
from my perspective, there's a lot of knobs in Unit 10. There's and a lot of places to crawl up where you can get some long range glassing. So that would be where personally I would have my 10s around my neck in my bino pouch. I would have my 15s in my pack and I would have my 95 millimeter Swarovski scope. Yep. And don't rule out using the twin <laughs> spotters. The twin spotters, the or BTX, the BTX, any of the above. Or, or the, you know, the. The big long-range glass because there are some areas there where you can look out four or five miles and you and I have done it together if I had to think you know of all the hunts and even though we were glassing what you know at that time what we thought were, were long range I remember the first time that you're like hey I got hunters this year and you know we're gonna be in unit 10 and it was my first time in the unit and I'm telling you right now that that's where that that that's where well first I mean you know it's incredibly big country yeah and it, it is made for long range glassing yeah and you can you could you could wear a lot of tires out and you could hurt you know you you could wear soles out on your shoe <laughs> on your boots you could do a lot of stuff but if you are not doing some form of long range grass glassing in that hunt you're i mean that's you're going to be in for a long hunt yeah and so i would also go as far as say look on your topo map uh, look on your onyx map your google earth map and just literally pick the unit apart and find those areas that are higher than others find those points find those edge of those those points of ridge top where you've got some big area to cover uh, in all over unit 10 from top to bottom literally just look at the topo map and start delineating wherever there's a huge contour break. And the thing that's so interesting about the knobs in Unit 10 is a lot of them, when you get to the very top, they have a rock pile, and you can literally sit and look 360 degrees. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I can think of several that I've put you up on over the years, Cody. Yes, sir. You literally have a 360 look. Um, you know, what would your... I optics be you know, you know I, I said what mine what would I, yours I, be you know because I always have the eights on my neck um I, I you know I would do the 15s um and I would have you know my my ATX or my STX in 95 and I'd have the BTX with me there's no question in my mind you know because I just know how important it is to be able to see you know at all distances and what you're and I think that another key for that unit, uh, you know, um, if you're not sitting in your glassing spot waiting, for, I mean, waiting for, it to for get a right. half, a minimum a half hour, if you're not glassing at that civil twilight, you know, which is a half hour before sunrise, if you're not sitting in that spot with your glass on country, I will absolutely guarantee that you are missing game that is going to bed well let me add a little bit to that as well not only are you missing game that's going to bed when you are up on your glassing knob 45 minutes to 30 minutes before the sun before it's pitch black i mean you're hiking up there with a headlamp and if my wife was sitting here cody you can attest <laughs> i mean i in 2001 i used to send her on her own she would drive her truck or my truck to her own glassing knob by herself and hike up with a flashlight yep. headlamp in the dark and be waiting there. And that was just expected. That's what I expected yeah, well, her to it, do. But the, what I was getting at is 
when you do that, you can get up and you can see where all the other hunters are. Because if oh, you're up absolutely. there 30 to 45 minutes ahead of time, you can see where the headlights are coming from. You can see where the headlamps are coming from. And if you do that for f- several days in a row, you learn real quick where the pressure comes from. Well, you learn where the pressure is. And, and the thing that amazes me, and I'm, you know, I'm not trying to pick or say that you know somebody's better because it's not, it's not that of an issue for me. But I would be absolutely amazed at the number of people that were driving into a spot and they had no idea the bull that they just completely blew, blew out. out of the country. Yeah. And that's the advantage is, I, you know, we could see where the bull was going and where he, where he wound up. Yeah. And they, they had no idea. And, and, you know, just, yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother discussion, but it, it, it if people would, would, uh, if they, if they would just get out there early it will save them so much headache and they'll realize the value of it. Got a question here. 12 by 50, dot, 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 best power and objective in Arizona, question mark. No spotter, everything from elk to coos. Well, you know, first of all, I love 1250s. Um, I think it's, it's a great combination of power versus field of view. Um, it, you know, it, it, if, if, if you, if you're using eights, a 12 is a nice thing to go to. Um, and I'm not sure that that's what he's asking. Cause I think he's he asking wants overall, like overall, like one, you know, he wants confirmation that 1250 is the best Arizona it, binocular. I, I just have a hard time saying that. Why? Because I think the 15s, you know, if you're hunting, if you're hunting bigger country, I just think the 15s, you know, you know, if he's using one piece of glass, and the only thing I can say that the 12 might, you know, it might be helping him, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna handhold them and put them in a chest rig, I I, I guess I, I I can understand it, but I'm not I'm not doing that. I think you're, I think you're limiting yourself, and you will end up, you know, you end up compromising. There's a trade-off. Yeah, you're going to compromise somewhere, and I. So my answer is, 1250s are incredible. Um, I owned the 1250 ELs for a long time, and and loved them. Um, it's, it's a, a phenomenal. phenomenal. It's, it's, and I know other manufacturers are making some yeah. 12s. You got like 1250s. You got Vortex makes 1250s. Loophole makes 1250s. Um, uh, did I say Leica? Uh, um, I mean, uh, you got the, the Swarovski. You, I mean, you've got a number of people making the glass, and it's right. an awesome piece. Right. But to go as far as saying best for Arizona, I think – one of the problems that I have with it is that, yes, for elk and mule deer, I can go with that argument. But if the argument becomes coos deer and mule deer and throw in bighorn right. sheep, I'm kind of at the point where 15s in Arizona, pretty hard to beat yeah. 15 powers. I mean, if if, if someone said, hey, I'm going to hunt coos, mule deer, sheep, and elk in Arizona, what should I get? I'd probably go to the 15. I, I, I would, just think yeah. you need that three more power, and I think they're, it's worth yep. its weight in gold. With that being said, 1250s, I think you can do everything that the 15s can. I just think at a certain distance, 
that three power is going to help. The three powers, out uh, yeah, no, it absolutely it helps. Okay. I just have a hard time saying twelve fifties of the. And I'm assuming he's saying only. So I just have our time saying 1250s are the best. Now, if you said Arizona Strip mule deer hunting 1250s, hmm? I could maybe say, okay, because then you could yeah. hand hold them yep. walking through the sage. You could also get up and put them on a tripod. So, I mean, it could yeah, be argued. They're, they're certainly one of the most versatile pieces of gear out there. That's for sure. Yeah. We've got another question, range-finding binos or binos and separate range finder. I mean, this is one we get a lot. Whether we do. Yeah, I get this question a ton. Yeah. Um, well. Again, I think it depends on what you're doing. Yeah, I think it. Well, okay. So for me, rifle hunting, I like, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I like the binocular. Why? Um, I, I just think it's, you know, you can hold them steadier. You get better results. You can put it on, on a tripod. Um, and not, I'm not saying you can't steady the handhelds. Um, and, you know, remember with a rifle, you're not having to be cognizant of moving your hands up and down to get ranges. And um, so that's why I like a compact ranger for, or a compact rangefinder for, like when you're stalking, you know, elk or whatnot, because just the fact that I can, I can handhold it and I can literally put, you know, like I can snap it to my, to my, uh, sternum strap and I don't have to move these big movements and, you know, I can hold my bow the way I want to, you know, I want to hold it. The, the button's always on the right side, no matter what, whether you're left or right-handed. Um, I just think it's left, less movement for me to come to my chest, you know, and quick and, and, and go that route than trying to, I've, I've unfortunately watched guys try to fiddle with their, their chest packs. And, you know, sometimes they got to lift a flap up and put it down, or sometimes they got to roll the thing. There's, I just think there's less movement with a compact rangefinder. So that, that, I mean, for me, uh, I would just tell you that just think about what you're doing and, and think about what, you're going to have to do to get into position to shoot, whether it's a bow or whether it's a, I think you need to slow down and really think about what you're doing when you're, when you're preparing to shoot well, or, I, or acquire a range. I think another thing that comes into it is what do you already have? I mean, if you already have a 10 or an eight power binocular that you wear around your right. neck and you've got those and you can buy a, you know, three or $400, $500, $600, you right. know, cheaper handheld yep maybe that's a route you go if you've already got it. if you're like man my binos that i keep around my neck i need to probably upgrade them maybe you want to think about go ahead and upgrading to a range finding binocular right you know but well and it's you know like the you know you and i were looking at that uh that laser um that 400 or 4000 excuse me pretty sweet that, that's a pretty sweet deal and the fact that you can you know mount it up to a tripod i mean that kind of puts it in the rifle realm. I mean, you know, to, to really get, you know, long distances and, and yeah, I mean, to get long distances and, and pause, you know, and, and, and do what you're going to do with a, a compact. I think that's, that's really easy to do that way. Um, you know, but yeah, I, I think again, um, 
I think it all comes back to that same question, and that's why that's why we like to talk to people when we're suggesting things, and I like to understand what a guy does and how he, you know, how he hunts and and what gear he uses, because that way I can tell him, well, you know, because of the, you like this, right? You know, your scenario is, you know, it it fits that of a binocular better than it does the, you know, the the compact rangefinder. Got a question. If you had to buy a Vortex spotter for mule deer out west, which one are you buying? So he's, this person is looking into the Vortex line. He's looking for a spotting scope. He's wanting to know which one would you buy? Oh, if I, I would, I would have to do the Razor 85 without a doubt. I just, I think it's the, you know, it's, it's the Cadillac of their line. I think it's going to give you the best results at long distances period okay best glass cleaner or best way to clean your glass so i am assuming they're talking about bino spotting scopes rifles yeah um well there's a couple things you need first you need to have um you have to have some way to remove the dust so if you're at if you're at home you know i normally have canned air either at home or in the truck and i, I try to remove it that way um, if I'm in the field, I have a brush. Time out a second. Canned air, just to be clear, you can buy it. Compress like office. Walmart. You can yeah. buy it Office Depot, yep. and it's basically where you push the button yeah. and air comes out. Yeah. It blows pressure on. Yeah, Office Max or take an air compressor or you know whatnot. Okay. Um, although uh, you know, just be careful to make sure your lines are clean and everything, like with an air compressor, because if you got dust or sand or grit in the head of your deal and you blow it out there and you put it you know make sure you blow it out first and let it clear and then because you could damage your lenses that way um i've heard of that um yeah so you 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 got uh dust off or you know like a canned air for for getting the dust removal or a brush um if i'm in the field i like to use just the the plain wipes um i've seen them from zeiss i've seen them from nikon i've seen them from you know a number of different manufacturers Swarovski. um i think that you know uh, uh, i think that that's you know i always wipe in a circular motion um if it's really heavy and it's something sticky or it's something that's on your lens um i actually do carry a little drip uh you know like a little squeeze bottle that has you know a little uh that you can put some moisture on it and try to get that solve you know to break up whatever's on the lens and then use a lens wipe um again um always going in a circular motion never you know just randomly just because what you don't want to do is you don't want to take the um especially you don't want to take the the grit that you just got off of there and then start grinding it into your but so you want to remove that stuff and then you know i i try to wipe away the excess moisture with a, a wet cloth and i'm always gentle about it as it goes yeah and i might add um cody's doing a lot of hand signaling over here so i thought i would interpret when you do have <laughs> your canned air i would hold your binos in other words where the lenses are perpendicular to the ground and then i would blow into the yep, lenses both the ocular that. and the objective so that anything gravity's going to take over and any dust that you blow off is going to go down rather than looking 
down into your eye cups and blowing down, stuff's going to still stay there. So well, get it where even if you're holding it upside exactly. down, where dust and grit can come off. Okay, that's one thing that I think I should oh, point and out. By the way, blow out your air, your your eye your, uh, your eye cups too. Oh, that's nasty stuff. Because Have you ever people, looked in your eye cups? Oh, it can be disgusting. But that's my point is, is blow those out too because people, you know, or and by the way, clean out the bottom of your 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 Bio chest rigs because that stuff can cause problems too. So to take it a step further, I usually typically open my eye cups up because I'm one of those guys that always has my binos and mm -hmm. the eye cups are totally down. I yep. don't use them at all. I agree. But it's amazing what can gather in there even oh, when they're closed. Yeah. So what I do when I'm cleaning my binos is I actually open them up and I actually clean I actually, them first yeah. yep. to get them clean so yeah. that once <laughs> then I get my lenses clean, everything's clean rather than have right. to come back and possibly have something fall off of the lens uh well and not cover. to mention sometimes take your eye cups off like uh, if you totally if, out if your brand of binocular has an Twist eye cup out. that twists all the way off and you can take it out get it out of there get it out of there uh, t t shake it out first and then blow up in there and get that done so yeah. um so with that being said yeah i just i use the canned air the 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 wipes you know um uh, I do. I do have a, a squeeze bottle, and then um, of I. Air, I, I of air. Uh, 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 no, oh, not of air. Of moist. the uh, the moist. Yeah. Um, you know the liquid. The, the liquid. And then the other thing is, is that um, you know when that's all said and done, I always carry a a soft cloth with me, just so that I can go back over it and make sure I get any excess moisture. Or, you know, I'm not you know leaving water spots or anything on there. Um, you know, I don't know, Jay. There's I, I think something to point out too is um, you didn't mention it. I don't know if you don't use it, but um, Loophole for years have made those black lens pins, mm -hmm. and I, maybe other manufacturers do also. But it seems like I've had four or five of them. And they were all had a Loophole sticker on them. But I use a lens pin after I use the canned air. If I don't have the canned air, I always in my bino patch have one of those lens pins. Right. Now the lens pin has two sides of it. Mm -hmm. One side is a brush. Like a brush, which I use. Which is and fantastic. The other side I never use. Okay. Now, so how do you describe the other side? All right, so the like other side is 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 like a felt or a chamois. Chamois. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I just urge people two things to be careful of. Number one. Make sure the chamois clean, okay? Number two, I don't ever use that chamois, and, and I say ever because I almost never use it. I never use it. But if I had to in a pinch, I only use that chamois at the end Very when nice. I know everything else is clean, and if I maybe need to get into a little harder to reach spot that I can't, you know, get with my fingers, I guess what it come out stupid. So the thing he's worried about, I assume with the chamois is you don't want to grind grit or exactly. dust into the lens. Cause you can scratch these lenses pretty easy. I mean, they're pretty hardy, but if you start grinding in a circular motion, well, you can screw them up. Okay. So let me give you guys an idea. Do not ever try to wipe your lenses with wool gloves oh. 
or a wool it, shirt. Well, well, no, it literally. I mean, I, I maybe it's like a Brillo pad. May, maybe I'm speaking. I'm showing my age, but you know, wool was a big deal. But I still see guys wearing wool gloves today, and literally, they kind of lean back from you and they're glassing, and they they take their finger and just, and you're like, I want to. Oh, I just it. I get lightheaded. Oh, no, I mean, <laughs> it, it makes me want to just say you don't. You should not have those, yeah. you know, $3,000 pair of binoculars, and he's licking his thumb and, you know. Yeah, I mean, the moral just, of the story is get the grit and the grind exactly. off of there without putting too much pressure right. with, the, with air or a lens pen. Then go to your cloth. Then go to your dry cloth. Um, and I got to be honest, guys, I keep my binoculars very clean, but I don't clean them a lot. Because I feel like the more you clean them, the yep. more you're constantly rubbing on them, you're eventually going to miss a piece of dust, a p- piece of, you know, sand, and it's going to re- literally make right. circles in your binos. Yeah, I just think guys need to be methodical. And, 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 I, and I was very serious about cleaning out your – we've had people, you know, um, call, and, you know, just with my experience, I've seen people take their binos out of their, their, their chest rig and – dump their chest rig on the counter and i've like found candy wrappers twigs and not just twigs that are like like this is a gravel i mean but yeah but but then they have twigs that have like a fork on them that like it can't lay flat right it can poke right into it can poke right into your lens so there's i mean there's a whole i mean god there's probably a podcast for the material uh, just on stuff to not do but Clean that stuff up once in a while and shake your stuff out because I do not use my lens caps inside of a, you know, in my in in, in ch- inside of the chest pack because yeah, I just think it slides in and easier, you know, really really well. And uh, so, uh, you know, I just make sure that my stuff is is pretty clean. I try. Guys, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast. Obviously, GoHunt.com. Cody Nelson sitting right across from me. I call him the glassing guru. He is the optics authority. He is the optics manager at GoHunt.com, like we've talked about. Uh, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747, extension 2. You can also email him directly at optics at GoHunt.com. He's directly across the table from me, and I always tell you that he's going to give you a great deal. He's going to work with you. Uh, He's going to be a great contact to have if something goes wrong with your binos and you need something in a pinch. I mean, dealing with someone on a personal level like Cody is is paramount when you're buying these binoculars. So give Cody a call, uh, and I thank uh, Go Hunt for their sponsorship. I thank the Gear Shop for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's K-U-I-U.com. You can go to their blog on Kuyu.com. They also have an Instagram page. I want to thank Kuyu uh, for their support of this podcast. Canyon Coolers, based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Use the JSCOT19 promo code. You're going to get a 10% discount on all orders. Uh, phonescope.com that's the digiscoping device that i use if you go on my instagram that's at j scott outdoors you'll be able to see photos and videos that i've taken through my iphone 10 with my phone scope device use the j scott 19 promo code you're going to get a 10 percent discount and then onxmaps.com use the j scott 19 promo code you're going to get a 20 percent discount on all orders when you go to onxmaps.com I love Onyx Maps. It shows the difference between private and public. It's got the overlays. It shows the uh, ownership 
It gives the person's name. It tells how big the property is. Uh, it's got a breadcrumb feature, so you can you know, breadcrumb your way in, breadcrumb your way out. Uh, it's great for walking in in the dark. It's got aerial view. It's got topo view. It's got a hybrid view. Go to onxmaps.com. Use the jscott19 promo code. Cody, this concludes our part one here of question and answer. Uh, we're going to do a whole other uh, podcast and, and finish up the rest of the questions. I uh, thank you for uh, coming by here, Colorado. You happen to be I'm a not couple leaving. hours away. And, and <laughs> you're, I'm not leaving. You're not leaving, so you'll be here next month when the fishing starts to get really good, yeah, no which is good. And um, I might just have to come back. Yeah, I just appreciate uh, you coming and, and sharing all this uh, knowledge with the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners, as well as the, the Go Hunt customers. I as well. appreciate you having us. It's just, it's just always a great opportunity to, to get the word out what we're, what we're trying to do at Go Hunt. Guys, don't miss the second part of this. We're going to dive into a bunch more questions. We appreciate your support. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it.